Sun Somewhere Realty, she's donating their uh, mobile um, concession stand, so we'll have a cool little place to sell the food out of and stuff too. But um, the reason I showed that video was I thought it would be a, a great segue into today's message kind of, because what I'm talking about is from time to time, for some reason or another, church has a tendency to make people want to walk through the door as somebody they're not. And like, like Barry and Ellen in that video, they don't exist. So a lot of times people come through that door and they come through thinking they have to have their life all put together. They have to be in this certain place in life and they come through in, in a false position of where they're really at. The good news with that is, is you don't have to have your life all put together to walk through those doors. Like we're all a mess. We're all knuckleheads. And the gospel meets us right where we're at and it helps us address the issues of those things when we walk in. It meets us right in the midst of our messes. And you know, that's the good news. Um, does it mean we should just wallow in our messes and just stay in that and not do anything to fix our, fix our life up? No, absolutely not. But it means we can come to the cross as we are. And I know one thing, a, a messy mess, it, it's more fixable than fake fancy. You come through and you're trying to be somebody you're not or be somewhere you're not in life. There's no way that the people that love and care about you can help address that and help come alongside of you and help you grow into a relationship with God. Um, Another thing is sometimes, sometimes when we're here, we talk about some tough subjects and we talk about some tough things. And when those start tough um, subjects or topics start to come up and they start to hit and pull on our heartstrings, the one thing our flesh wants us to do and sometimes the enemy wants us to do is it wants us to run from those feelings. To the point where we've been in services before and there's tough um, subjects being broached and talked about that someone might personally disagree with. And the Bible is showing us what God intended for those things to the point where people have actually get up and walk out of service. I know this much. If God is pulling on your heartstrings of those things or God is, is spurring your heart to the point where you want to run. That's the time you should run to those feelings, not from them. God is going to use that time to grow you and help you mature and further you along. If you feel uncomfortable to the point of running, run to the cross. Run to someone here that cares. We're all, we're all a mess. We've all fallen short, and we all want to help each other. Um, let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that we can come to you just as we are. We're so grateful we can come to you and we can bring you our burdens and we can lay them at your feet. We're weak. We're lonely. We struggle. We thank you so much for grace and mercy. Pour those out on us today as we go through our text and as we examine your word. Holy Spirit, be with us to guide us and, and show us what in our lives we can work on, where we're at in our faith and what we're going through. Spur it in our hearts to be better. Spur it in our hearts to represent you better. Jesus, it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So um, today we're going to be talking about faith a little bit, you know, um, we're going to be talking about faith, that faith, that thing that's going to help us run towards those feelings instead of running from them. We're going to be talking about uh, kind of what, what real faith looks like or what the importance of real faith is. And um, 
When it comes to faith, we're usually in one of three categories, and one being no faith at all. But that's okay. You don't have to be a Christian to walk through the door. You don't have to be a Christian to walk in here. Having no faith at all and walking through and someone asking you where you're at in life and saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. That's great. There's a starting point. We know where you're at. It's not uh, walking in and having a facade that you're somewhere else so that the people that care about you and love about you don't try to come alongside you with those things because we don't know really that's where you are. The second place some of us will fall in is um, a Christian, but maybe drifting. Some situation has happened. Something has happened in your life, whether it's finances, um, relationships, money, whatever it is. Something has happened into your life to where you believe, but you're pretending to drift away from Christ. And I pray for you in that time today that, that through this word that you can see where you're at and you can see that there's no need to drift and to run away from those things, but to lean on Christ and lean on the cross and grow back closer. And the third group that we'll probably one of, we'll all fall in um, would be firm in our faith. And I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here, firm in your faith, ready to love on others and help them with wherever they're at and to further cultivate your relationship with God. Um, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. If you guys want to turn to Acts chapter 19, we'll have it on the screen as well. But, you know, I do urge you to open the Bible, turn to God's word so that you can see that it's what's written in the book, that we didn't type our own version, the, the Nick Living translation or nothing on the screen. <laughs> So in, in going through today's text, I hope that by the end of it, by the end of our message, and by the end of going through these verses, we can understand the importance of two words, being faith and truth, because they go together. Um, you can have faith in something, but you can have faith in a lie. You can have faith in something that is not true or not uh, beneficial toward your salvation whatsoever. So two things, faith and truth. And as we go through these, we're going to look at God's word. And then I really wanted to try and take what was written here and show the importance by um, relaying a situation that I know and have seen with my own eyes in real life. So we're going to go to the Bible, and then we're going we're gonna to dive into this story, and then we're going to go back and forth so that we can see what's going on. And at this point, we're in Acts chapter 19. Paul's been traveling. He's went through Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, um, Corinth, and now he's found himself in Ephesus. And when he gets to Ephesus, um, it's a crazy place. When he shows up there, it's a crazy place. They're worshiping this goddess Diana, and there is uh, the huge... Um, She's got whatever it's called, the, the worship place of Artemis, and they're worshiping her there. So I think the reason the craziness happens is because we're seeing light, truth, and God meeting against the false god of, of Diana. As we start off, we're going to go verses 1 through 7. And it happened that while at Apollos... While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit 
when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after, that is Jesus. On hearing these things, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There are about 12 men in all. So Paul gets to Ephesus and he comes across these believers. And it's just like when someone walks in here, he comes across these believers and he asks them, have you received the Holy Spirit? Had they said yes, had they been worried about their response, had they been worried about their image in their response and said yes, there would have been no room for growth or truth in the message. But they told him, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So he was able to go to scripture and he was able to explain to them once he found out that they had received the baptism of John and not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he was able to meet them where they were at and help them by sharing the gospel and receiving the Holy Spirit. One of the most important things is the Holy Spirit is a sign of true faith. We receive the Holy Spirit when we confess and we believe in calling the name of Jesus in our lives. But one of the important things that I wanted to point out here is what I was talking about at the beginning. Sometimes we have a tendency to walk in and walk through the doors and try and be someone we're not. Their answer is one of the things that really stuck out to me. No. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. A lot of times our own ideas and our, our conscience, our personality, our need to be greater than we are will tend us to lean away from answering a question like that in truth. They answered, and he was able to address that with them. And it helped them to, to cultivate their faith, to be able to be baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, and be able to receive that gift from God. Now, um... I said I was going to take some of these things and I was going to relate it to uh, this real person in real life that I had seen. So I have this friend and um, we both ventured off in starting drug court at the same time. And when we first started, I didn't really, really know him, but over the time of doing that program, you go to a lot of classes across the street over there. You attend court a couple times a month. So these people that you may not know, you begin to run into these people and you see them and you're, you're in um, classes and meetings and you're sharing your life together and you're, you're trying to dive into the root of the problem and you're sharing what works and stuff. And through all of those things, in the very beginning, before I had even started that program, I had given my life to God and I had begun studying his word and reading his word and cultivating a relationship with him to the point to where that, that was the foundation of my recovery and what I was doing in life. So when I was in any one of those classes and meetings, I, I started sharing that. They're asking what works or what have you done, and I was sharing that my relationship with Christ, my church family that I've been creating, uh, that I've been becoming a part of, the support system that's been coming around me of people that want to lift me up and help me know Christ better. I shared those things. And there was a, there was a guy in there, and he heard those things, and it, and it sounded good to him. It sounded good to him to where he began to take on the lingo. He began to say, yes, I'm placing my recovery in Christ. I'm, I'm placing my faith in my recovery in Christ. And he began to express these things. 
there's a big difference between knowing the God of the Bible and being in a relationship with Christ than knowing the lingo or the catchphrases. If we jump back into our text here in um, verse 8 through 10. It said, he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. In my other uh, translation, it says, arguing with them persuasively about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the words of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. A couple of the cool random facts I found about some of these verses was... um, up to this point, the early church had just been meeting in houses, you know. Paul would go into the synagogues and preach, but all of the early church members, they were meeting in people's houses. And this is the first time where the, it, it got to the point where um, a combination of them being met uh, with resistance in the synagogue and, and the number of believers growing to the point where they actually rented a building. It was the first time they took it from outside someone's house and took it into a building, and they rented from this man, Tyrannus. But the part that sticks out here that I want to talk about is, in, in the translation, it says he was arguing persuasively. And um, church, I want to urge us that when we're sharing the gospel with someone, when we're sharing with someone, you know, the persuasively using truth, using the word of the Bible, yes, the arguing to the point to where it says some became stubborn and withdrew. And while, yes, some people needed to hear that and some were reached and some were saved in that manner, um, arguing with people implies this tone of two-sided. You're stating your side of things, and they're responding with something. And then they argue back, and you get into it as well. And when that happens, we know from our normal lives, when you get in an argument with something, usually from you or them, a wall's going to shoot up. At some point, a wall's going to shoot up in this argument, and it's just useless words after that. They're not listening. You're not speaking clearly of the things you want to say. You're acting on rash emotion. You're no longer being persuasive with the truth of the Bible. You begin arguing. Now we go back to our buddy in the real life situation. So as he began to take this on, he began to take on this persona of um, someone that was coming to Christ and was, you know, wanting to be a part of some the recovery community and wanting to express this to those around. He, he began doing that. And he, he fell in with a gentleman that um, was a bold Christian. And someone that had a caring heart and wanted to help people, but his way of doing it with arguing persuasively and causing um, contention between the two. So instead of coming in a place of love at this time and sharing with someone that was lost and struggling, coming with this brash, arguing personality, I feel it tended to push our friend that we're talking about here further from the cross instead of drawing him into it. Verse 11, 
And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched his skin were carried away to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the inherent Jew exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul proclaimed, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who, who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was in leapt on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both uh, Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. As many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them inside of, inside of all. And they counted the value of them to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So it says un unusual miracles were happening. So they were coming and they were going to Paul and they were getting their handkerchiefs and all of these and any piece of cloth that had touched them and they were laying them on people and healing the sick. Unusual is the word that sticks out to that about um, to me is because I'm sure if Nick or Tony or I carried a handkerchief around, we blow our nose and, oh, you're not feeling well, Sam? Here, and we laid our handkerchief on you. You'd be like, what the heck? Get that off of me. But so these unusual miracles are happening. And um, then it says that these seven sons of Sceva, he was a Jewish, he was a Jewish high priest and his seven Seven sons. So, so the pastor's kids are running around Ephesus right now, and they're going around and they're trying to cast out evil spirits in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and it says they got whooped. They got whooped. They were sent out of there naked and bloody. I can tell you, ministry is tough. It can be very taxing. I pray that I never come over here to put some work together and I go stumbling back over to the house next door naked and bloody. <laughs> There's only one thing that can make naked worse and it's bloody with it. So as taxing as that is, I know that I have a relationship with Christ. I'm not coming in a false name, in, in, in a false place of where I'm at, in a, in a false sense of security, and going to take on demons. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of times um, people are called, pastors are called to go into someone's house when they say, hey, can you come and pray over our house? There, I think there are evil spirits here. And, and a lot of times, I think it could just be uh, the sounds of the house. I think a lot of times, a lot of these calls can just be a false alarm. But there's going to be those times when you walk in and it's real. And these things are real. And you're going to encounter the enemy. And just coming in by saying, I know the name of Jesus, it's not going to fare well. Back to our buddy we've been talking about. So he's navigating through drug court now, and 
each time we we attend the we attend the court where you just got to go and check in and let them know how you're doing you know um each time you go in there the judge is like hey buddy how you doing and he's all i'm great i'm healed i'll never use again your honor i got jesus christ my savior and i am healed and i'm gonna go into life and i'm gonna be great Every time someone asks him over at Four Corners how life is going, same thing. You know, I'm healed. This addiction is no longer something I worry about. I'm never going to face this again. The only problem was, at this point in his life, he was one of the seven sons of Sceva. He hadn't cultivated a relationship. He hadn't honestly taken Jesus Christ into his heart. He had taken on the persona of knowing who he was. Now... Well, I can't say for sure. As far as I know, he's not naked and bloody anywhere, but he's homeless. He's strung out using drugs again. He's living in his car. The demons that he was trying to profess away from him in Jesus' name, they beat him and battered him and sent him back to a place that he swore he would never go. This shows why it's so important in being real, in being transparent about where we are with our faith. If we have questions that have us wondering if we're saved, if we have questions that have us wondering what salvation really looks like, if we have any questions about our Savior, but we put on this mask and we don't really show those around us where we're at or we don't dive into God's word and see what it says about those situations, we're going to find ourselves battered and bloody. Um, word began to spread to the people of what had happened and it began to spread so much that a conviction fell upon their hearts and they were like, you know what? This is what I've been doing. This is where I've been and I want to let this go. So much that some of these people that were practicing magic, they brought their spell books and they all put them together and they burned them. In this one, it says 50,000 pieces of silver and another one of my translations, it says several million dollars. If you think about the value of a dollar where it is now versus where it was then too, several million dollars is not something that somebody does on a whim. Throwing several million dollars into the fire isn't something somebody does on a brash feeling. It's something somebody does when they know the truth about God and they know they felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit and what they're doing is wrong. And they want to rid themselves of that. Real faith is much more valuable in God's kingdom. So in closing, I want to go over a few things. In closing, how do we know if we have real faith in God? Number one, real faith cannot be faked forever. You can fool me you can come through the door for a while. You can fool your friends. You can tell, you can get some of the, uh, the language down. Um, I listen to Caleb. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It'll be exposed. Your real, true faith 
cannot be faked forever. If we look at what the Bible tells us about that, it says, and this is the message I proclaim to you. The day is coming when God, through Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. You can fool us, but there's a time coming when you will stand before Christ and he will judge your life, including your secret life. Number two, real faith respects the name and reputation of Jesus. Now, you're probably thinking, respects the name and reputation of Jesus. A lot of people turn from this point and think about like using the Lord's name in vain or using it as a cuss word. But I'm talking about proclaiming to be somewhere you're not and having your actions that people see be miles apart. Proclaiming that you're a Christian when you're really struggling with where you're at and having your conduct and your actions paint a poor picture of what, of what Christ's love looks like. Does this mean we live a perfect life? Does this mean we walk through life without messing up? Absolutely not. It means that when we do screw up, when we do mess up, we own it. We confess that. We own it. And we, we come to somebody and say, you know what? I was telling you this, and I was doing this, and for that Hey, I apologize. We own it. The third thing that we can look at for real faith is real faith creates a desire to confess sin. None of us are perfect, but we can all, through the power of the Holy Spirit, realize when we're doing wrong and want to confess those things. We want to confess and get that, off, that, that weight off of our shoulder. There's no need to carry things around with us each and every day that are weighing us down and bringing down our morale. We know those debts were paid for. We know we don't have to do that. One of the great signs about that is when we don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us, that Holy Spirit there to, com to spur the conviction in our lives when we're doing something wrong, a lot of the times we'll just wrong somebody, treat somebody poorly, disrespect the name of God, and we'll just do it without even thinking twice about it, without even feeling it, without even losing a wink of sleep over it. But when you go home at night, and you're like, you've accepted Christ into your life and you go home at night and, and you can't get to rest and you can't sleep good because you know that you treated somebody poorly or you lied to somebody. That's that Holy Spirit. He, he's spurring that conviction inside of you. When I think about my buddy and I think about where he's at in life, I'm like, what could I have done? Every time I've talked to him, every time I reach out to him now, I get the same answer. Oh, I'm doing great. And then I run into his family or somebody else, and I get the truth. And then I reach out again and love him. I'm like, dude, it's okay if you're struggling. Let us help you back. Let, let us love on you. But when there's a facade up and you can't break through it, there's only so much you can do is pray for that person. One question I got. So all of this time that he was going to these classes or he's around these other people that were struggling with the same problem as him and he is in there and he was saying, you know what? I'm healed. I'm never going to do this again. And there's somebody in that room and they were thinking about Christ and they were thinking, you know what? I've heard, 
I've heard of this Jesus that they speak about. You know, I've heard about this relationship with him, how it can, I can shift my burdens to Christ. And now I'm hearing this and I'm seeing this is working for him. And now they see him in Walmart struggling. Do you think that situation of professing that he was in Christ and not really being there has pulled that person closer to Christ or pushed them farther away? I think we know the answer to that one. Be real with where you're at and we can work with where we're at. Join me as I pray. We're gonna pray from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and I have done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and inward being, and you teach me wisdom in secret and heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall, shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take no, not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. Deliver me blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Open, O Lord, my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are broken in spirit, a broken contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good design in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, and then you would delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and a whole burnt offering. Then the bulls will be offered to your altar. Amen. As we sing this last song, we have four ways.